right, glad you're with us. Uh, thank you, Scott Shannon. Toll-free numbers, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. By the way, today's a very entertaining day in the Sean Hannity Show studios as uh, four-year-old Liam is with us, and he will entertain us on air later in the program today. Uh, this kid is 100% a, a bundle of energy and fun. He's awesome. Uh, anyway, Liam, we're glad to have you. I know you can Liam keep calling says me. Liam hi. Say hi, Liam. Hi. Say hi, Liam. Say hi. Say hi. What, what do you call me? What's my hi. name? What do we call what, what's, but you know what my name is? What do you call me? What do you say? Hmm. Okay. I had that problem with my kids were young, too. Hi, boss. Ah, he calls me boss. I don't know why. All right. At least somebody in the family calls me boss. It's amazing. I'm making progress. Um, I want energy. Thank you. So here is what's happening. Just so you know something, you got to understand. I, I always tell you how every two years, every four years, Democrats have one playbook, right? I, I've, I've gone through it. I won't play all the tape. We have all the tape to back it up. We've done it many, many times. Republicans, they don't even want to count you in the census. You know, Al Gore saying uh, to a predominantly African-American audience, changing his tone, cadence, uh, speech delivery, the whole bit. Hillary doing the, I ain't no ways tired and all that. Then you got every two and four years, Republicans are racist. They are sexist. They're misogynist. They're homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic. Their plan, as Obama once said, is for dirty air and dirty water. And they want grandma and grandpa to eat cat food and dog food. And then they, you know, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell lookalike will throw grandma and grandpa over the cliff. Interestingly, the only one really supporting death panels now is uh, Michael Bloomberg. Are you 95? Go home. We're not going to take care of you. We're wasting our money. You've outlived your your life expectancy. Take your out. You're done. It, amazing. Callous, cold, sick, but that's what's on tape. It wasn't an accident, I'm telling you, what happened in the last week and a half with Bloomberg. And it's not going to stop. Whoever's going to be up in the polls, and I told you that the chaos is going to get crazier and crazier and more intense by the day. And if we ever get to a brokered convention, it is going to be a free-for-all. I mean, it is going to be, it's, it's going to be an politically speaking metaphorically not in reality it's going to be a it's going to be a knife fight and there's going to be a lot of people cut and a lot of people bleeding and they don't care what they need to do or say because power is at stake for people so it wasn't an accident that it comes out that you know bloomberg I'm, well it was transparent anyway it was transparently a political movement on his part because he's supported uh stop and frisk for 12 years as mayor and then you know, he, he supported it for five years when Comrade de Blasio took over. And then he decides, I'm going to get in and run for president. So, uh-oh, uh, a big part of the Democratic coalition is African-Americans. I better fix this. Not because he believes it, but for political expediency. Just like he gave up certain golf clubs, exclusive clubs, when he became mayor. And as soon as he's out being mayor, thinking he's never running for any office again, he joins the golf clubs again. I'm like, oh, did you leave on principle? Or did you leave because you did a you know, for show. It's all show. And say what you will about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is who he is. There is an audio tape. Rona Barrett, I'd never seen it before, interviewed Donald Trump when he was 34 years old in 1980. We should get that uh, video. It's on YouTube, Linda, and put it up on the website. But there was, it's not an accident that all this stuff about, oh, murderers and murder victims, they fit one M.O., 
You just take the description, you Xerox it, you pass it out to the cops. They're all minorities, 16 to 25. Um, and people go, well, oh, my gosh, you're, you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. And Bloomberg's answer, yes, that's true. All minorities. Why? Because we put cops, all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. Well, if you only have cops in minority neighborhoods, that means there are no cops in, I guess, other neighborhoods where there aren't uh, minorities. So I guess it would be that way, wouldn't it? But it's what he said, or the arrogance of I could teach anyone to be a farmer. You dig a hole, you put a seed in it, you put dirt on top and up, you know, you water it, it up comes your corn in rows. Good luck with that. So ignorant, beyond words ignorant. The, the level of science, chemistry, sophisticated uh, agricultural means and methods and techniques and hybrids and all that they have done to not only feed the, the country. And by the way, I, I know we might complain that what a gallon of milk is like five bucks where I live in New York, somewhere around there. And yes, I do my own shopping. Yes, I'm there every weekend. Yeah. And by the way, everyone says the same thing every time I'm in stop and shop. What are you doing here? Immediate and buying food. What are you doing here? I was. I, I guess the assumption is what, Linda, that I have people do that for me. I love going oh. shopping. Just assume you're think, like the Clintons or you know Sanders well, or Biden. No, I go every weekend, and I and I get the same stuff. I don't. I, my my diet is what it is. I just stick to it. Uh, anyway, so why did all this come out on Bloomberg? Because Bloomberg had spent five hundred million dollars, and he was getting close. And th- don't think this op research for one second. I do not believe, I don't know where it came from, but I'm telling you, it didn't come from Republicans. This came from Democrats. Then if I had to say the likely culprit, again, educated guests, 31 years on radio, 24 years at Fox, I'd be looking right at the Biden campaign because they know how to play this game better than anybody and been around the block a few times, hires the right people, and this is what they do. What do you think the whole dirty Russian dossier was all about? Filled with lies, funneled money, op research firm, foreign agent, putting together unverifiable details of hookers in the Ritz-Carlton in Russia, Moscow, urinating on Donald Trump's bed. Yeah, that came out before the election. This is who they are, because when it comes to power, people will do and will say anything to get that power, because for them, it's all about power. I think that's what separates Trump from the rest of the pack. And that is, oh, Donald Trump actually cares about people. Uh, he's praising farmers. He's been praising farmers all the time. One of the reasons he made the, the two-year deal with China was because of farmers benefiting. And that's our dairy farmers, that's our soybean farmers, our corn farmers, and everything in between. I don't want to forget one group of farmers. So now, with the big win of Bolshevik Bernie over the weekend, now I'm, I'm noticing the op research stuff coming in hard and fast. Now, I have personal experience with this. And I'm not going to say who because I don't reveal my sources. But when we were the only people vetting, Linda, you will remember this. When we were the only people vetting Obama, uh, let's put it this way. There were a lot of Clinton people that wanted to be my best friend. There were a lot of Clinton people hoping I might want to look into this story or that story. Or, oh, we found this tape in case you're interested in it. That happens all the time. So imagine the Clintons. That's how bad they wanted to beat Obama. You remember that? You know exactly who I'm talking about or the sources we're talking about. So they right now they're in the as I predict, this is now it is a free for all. It is not a real knife. It is a political knife fight. 
and it means bare knuckles brawl, and it's going to get worse because we got South Carolina on Saturday, and then we go to Super Tuesday, then thereafter. Why am I saying all of this? All right, because now the Bloomberg stuff, Bloomberg's sufficiently wounded for now, and even if he had a good debate tomorrow, which I doubt because he's probably been cordoned off in a room and they're filling his mind full of answers, there are so many things here you cannot answer. You know, how do you answer, you know, these comments on race. I don't I don't see a good answer for him. Or how do you answer? You're, yeah, I, I want the, you're 95. You, come on, you go home. You're, you're, we're not treating you. No way. Um, now, and this had come up in 2015. And I had actually forgotten all about this. Uh, CNN even has an article on it. And the New York Times has an article on it from back in the day, I believe. Or one of them was back in 2015 about Bernie Sanders saying in a 1972 article that he wrote describing women's fantasies of rape. But he's saying it was misinterpreted. That we worry what I wrote 40 or 50 years ago to the degree they become significant in the campaign is just sad. Then he goes on to say, and it was written for some alternative paper, uh, that he imagined male and female fantasies, apparently to illustrate how both sexes internalize gender stereotypes. I mean, he, this is his words, not mine. Kind of creepy to actually to read it. A woman enjoys intercourse with her man, and she fantasizes being raped by three men simultaneously. In another passage, he writes, Do you know why the newspaper with the articles like Girl 12 Raped by 14 Men Sell So Well? To what in us... Uh, to what I'm reading it verbatim to what in us are they appealing? Okay, that is beyond creepy. That is bizarre. That is beyond strange at a level I can't comprehend now. So that's on the table back on the table again. Okay, that's not all. Then we got a 10 day honeymoon. This is before the fall of the former Soviet Union. Who would think let me go to the former Soviet Union. Oh, let's see. Yeah, that would be the same Soviet Union, Bolshevik Revolution. Six months after his election in in, in Vermont, September 11, 1981, Bernie Sanders. Anyway, towel draped, sitting at a table lined with vodka bottles as he sang, This land is your land to his hosts in the Soviet Union in the spring of 1988. The just married socialist mayor from Vermont was on what he called a very strange honeymoon, an official 10 day visit to the communist country. And he was enthralled with the hospitality and the lessons that could be brought home. What lessons? Uh, the millions slaughtered by Stalin and uh, KGB agents? The intimidation of the people? Did he see the long lines for basic necessities like toilet paper and milk and bread and, and so on and so forth? Now, what, this is not coming from any Republican camp. You know, Bernie Sanders long ago praise of socialist regimes. Now they're digging up. He was on 60 Minutes this weekend. And this is what he had to say about Castro. Listen, we're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But, you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it. There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right. And we condemn that. Unlike Donald Trump, let's be clear, you want to, I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin, not a great friend of mine. Okay, I don't remember Bernie speaking out about the $150 billion in cash and other currencies 
that were given to the mullahs in Iran that chant death to America. I don't remember him saying that once. Perhaps he did. I don't remember it. As it relates to the president, Kim Jong-un, what did the president give Kim Jong-un? Nothing. What do we get? We got the remains of our soldiers from the 50s returned. We got hostages returned. And we got an end to the missiles being fired almost daily over Japan and, and the instability that he was creating in the region. What did Trump give? Time. He gave the guy time. Talk to him. How are you doing? Don't do this. You want to join the world? Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Sanders, we have all this stuff. There is a it's like a treasure trove has now been dropped on Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders now is three for three heading into South Carolina where he's in a very tight race. You know, this is the firewall for Joe Biden. Biden doesn't win South Carolina. He's done. Now, Bloomberg can stick around because Bloomberg has money. But I guarantee you, as we speak, because I think Bloomberg for years went on John Gambling show in New York. I think he would go on, what, once a week for an hour or thereabouts every week. Oh, yeah. Those tapes are all going to be. I'm sure they're siphoning through them now. But it's it's going to be what this is now. Let let the chaos ensue here because there's nothing they'll stop at when it comes to their power. But it's their policies that are the problem. It's the success of a president. I was up at 3 a.m. in the morning watching a stadium of 120,000 people cheering Donald Trump in India. Uh, We've got great cuts of the media mob in full meltdown mode over Bernie Sanders because they're all establishment Democrats, too. I mean, they, they are. Yes, we can. Obama, Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. And so it is not an accident, is my point, long winded as it may be, that. You know, now we're we're regurgitating up, you know, articles from the New York Times and fake news, CNN, even going back as far as 2015 about Bernie Sanders uh, recanting his article on women's fantasies of rape. Yeah, that's coming up. And the Washington Post going into inside Bernie Sanders 1988 10 day honeymoon in the former Soviet Union. Yeah, the same murderous regime, the Soviet Union. That would be the place. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you got the Democratic Party, you got the establishment folks. But the problem is, is that the there is no moderate Democrat. There are no moderate Democrats. It's one version of Bernie or another. They all support some version of the blue, blue of the new Green Deal. They all support some version of Medicare for all. They all support open borders. They all support late-term abortion. They all support ending oil and and fracking and energy, the lifeblood of our economy. Every one of their policies, they think the government ought to take over the healthcare industry and the energy industry. It's the definition of socialism. And maybe Bernie a little more honest over the years, but it is. They've always liked in the Democratic Party the people that hide their real views. Because they've always known instinctively that if they express them, then the American people will reject them. So what they do usually is they lie and they don't say what they really think. And then when they get in power, what do they do? They keep going with more government programs one after another after another. What do you think Obamacare was? Keep your doctor, your plan and save on average twenty five hundred dollars per family per year. That never happened. Never was going to happen. I, you know, how does any old person support Bloomberg? How does anybody support Bolshevik Bernie? All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. Now, there is some truth that 
if this was ever a Republican, well, what if Donald Trump said it? What if Donald Trump did it? What if any Republican or conservative said or did what Bloomberg or listen, even Joe Biden? I mean, for the first time, man, you have an African-American who is neat and clean and articulate. Man, that storybook, man. I'm like, wow. Or you can't go to a Dunkin' Donuts or a 7-Eleven unless you have a slight Indian accent. I got to put you all back in chains. Oh, th- this is the Democratic Party. This is identity politics 101. This is what they do. But now that it's now they're they're in this political knife fight with with each other. Again, not a real knife fight for all of you in the media mob that are too stupid to understand it's a metaphor. It's not really fighting with a knife. Um, and, and, and none of this is happening by accident. All of the all of the the deep dive dirt that we're now witnessing is real and it's out there and they just kind of selectively release it to their friends in the media when they want to go after an opponent that they think is beginning to break out. That was in the last two weeks, you know, nanny state Bloomberg. Now it's obviously Bernie Sanders. But Bernie didn't help himself last night. Cut four. He's on 60 Minutes. Oh, it's unfair to say everything in Cuba is bad. Okay, here's what he says. We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But, you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it? There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right. And we condemn that. Unlike Donald Trump, let's be clear, you want to, I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin, not a great friend of mine. He was giving a love letter to Cuba when he made those remarks on 60 Minutes. What is he saying? Well, they didn't do everything bad. I mean, they had schools and, you know, health care. Okay, let me educate Bernie 101. When Castro came to power, they confiscated the land. They threw people off their land. They stole their land, and then they murdered people that were part of the resistance. How do I know these facts? Because I've actually interviewed people over the years who lost family members that were murdered by Castro's rise to power uh, back in the day. Uh, did they do a great job with education or health care? Remember that controversy came up with what Michael Moore bragging about Cuba's health care system. It's it's a it, it is. It's like 70 years behind where we are. It's that bad. And frankly, a lot of the hospitals filthy and care not available. You know, look at the great cars they're driving. 1950, if you like the 1950s, boy, they got a lot of cars for you in Cuba because they haven't been able to bring in new cars, nor can anybody afford the new cars if they did bring them in. So now we're hearing about his rape fantasies that he wrote about in an article and uh, an essay on rape. Now is 10-day honeymoon in the former Soviet Union. Well, how many did Stalin kill? Want to know why we call him Bolshevik Bernie? Because he is Bolshevik Bernie. Uh, the best question that Anderson Cooper probably ever asked in his life. Uh, how much is all this new Green Deal, Medicare for all, how much is it all going to cost? Listen. Two-thirds of Democrats in the Senate haven't signed on to Medicare for All, which would cost an estimated 30 to $40 trillion over 10 years. And that's just one of Bernie Sanders' many proposals. There's also free public college, cancellation of all student debt, a federal job guarantee, and a Green New Deal to rapidly reduce carbon emissions. How much will that cost? 
Obviously, those are expensive propositions, but we have done our best on issue after issue uh, in paying for them. Do you know how all, how much, though? I mean, do you have a price tag for, for all this? We do. I mean, you know, and, and uh, the, the price tag is it will be substantially less than letting the current system go. I think it's about $30 trillion. That's just for Medicare guess. for all. Just, just Medicare for all. Do you have a, a price tag for all of these things? No, I don't. We try to. No, you mentioned making public colleges and universities tuition-free and canceling all student debt. That's correct. That's what I want to do. We pay for that through a modest tax on Wall Street speculation. But you say you don't know what the total price is, but you know how it's going to be paid for. How do you know it's going to be paid for if you don't know how much the price is? Well, I can't, you know, I can't rattle off to you every nickel and every dime, but we have accounted for it. You, you talked about Medicare for all. We have options out there that will pay for it. $30 trillion. By the way, that's a 10-year plan. We only take in $4 trillion a year, then free college, then loan forgiveness, uh, then the new Green Deal, and then on top of it, you get rid of the lifeblood of your economy all in the process. It's pretty, it's a spectacular fail on their part. Now, the media mob, interestingly, led by Chris, I have a thrill up my leg, Matthews, uh, is just in an utter, complete meltdown and panic. And interestingly... It's it's funny to watch somebody like Van Jones is saying, yeah, I see what you establishment Democrats are doing and you're trying you're setting this up to steal this thing again and you're trying to rig this thing again. I, you know, I've never been the biggest Van Jones fan, but he's what he's saying is true. And the fact that after that happened in 2016 and 15 and 16 is like I felt like I was a lone voice out here saying uh, we can't live in the United States of America and have rigged elections. Little did I know the dirty dossier was in play. Uh, but anyway, here's a montage of the media in a panic eight um, for you, J.C. Owen, uh, over Bernie leading after the after Vegas. I thought it was a great night for Bernie Sanders. I thought it was a great night for Donald Trump. I thought it was a terrible night for the Democrats. The truth is Bernie Sanders is on its trajectory to be the Democratic nominee. To me, he I just don't see him having any shot in a general election. I'm panicked. I am absolutely panicked. No, uh, no one but Bernie, Stephanie. Come on. He's an anarchist. He would love to burn down the United States. If we nominate a socialist like Bernie Sanders... We're going to lose. It'll be like George McGovern. It'll be a blowout. Nobody just says the obvious. Bernie, you're full of it. They're just pandering to the Bernie people. And you know what? Pandering gets you nothing. It certainly doesn't get your respect. Tom Perez needs to step down. He's a joke. He's a clown. He can't run the Democratic Party anymore. It, it's lost its way. I don't see how Democrats uh, do anything but bleed out when they put a socialist at the top of the ticket. It is a death sentence for the party, and it will lead to Donald Trump's re-election. The loser, as Leslie put it, are the Democrats. They've got to get out there and say, I disagree with socialism. I believe in the markets. Right. I think he's wrong. I think he'll never get it done, and in this country will never go that direction. And by the way, we'll lose 49 states. Corbyn didn't work in England. Bernie ain't going to work in the United States. Anyone but Bernie. Now, Matthews, Mr. Thrill Up His Leg Obamagasm, is asking if moderate Democrats, uh, well, no, he actually compared Bernie Sanders winning Nevada to France falling to Germany. 
1940. This is how ignorant he is. Listen to Bernie, this. Bernie, on the other hand, did his job. He got more than a majority, more than a majority of that 67%. That is the name of the game. It is pretty much over unless that changes. I was reading last night, Brian, I know you're a history guy too. I'm reading last night about the fall of France in the summer of 1940. And the general, Renault, calls up Churchill and says, it's over. And Churchill said, how can it be? You got the greatest army in Europe. How can it be over? He said, it's over. So I had that suppressed feeling. I can't be as wild as Carville, but he is damn smart. And I think he's damn right on this one. And what he was referring to is Carville declaring that Bernie Sanders, the front runner and, and blaming the media for not vetting him. Okay, now all this stuff comes out magically since Bernie now is three for three. So you have establishment Democrats. They're in a meltdown as Bolshevik Bernie takes over the party. But they're really at best only a watered down version of everything Bernie stands for anyway. You know, it, it, sort of like a preview of, of campaign commercials uh, that NBC put out. You know, look at what you got. 1985, a few months after Bernie Sanders travels to Nicaragua to celebrate the sixth anniversary of that country's socialist revolution. The Soviet-backed government there suspended the civil liberties of their citizens, including the rights to freedom of speech. You know, Sanders praising uh, Daniel Ortega at the time and other Nicaraguan leaders upon his return from the trip with no apologies. Nicaraguan government was fighting a brutal war funded by the U.S., he wrote, blames the U.S. Did the U.S. government, Sanders says, intern Japanese-Americans in World War II? Did Lincoln curtail basic rights during the Civil War? Sanders told once uh, junior high school students in Vermont that the U.S. policy in Vietnam was almost as bad as what Hitler did. Really? Wow. And that visit to Nicaragua, he sat down with their leader, Daniel Ortega, another murdering dictator, but he called him a very impressive guy. At the time, human rights activists documented all the abuses of Ortega's government. On that honeymoon trip to the Soviet Union, Sanders, in the former Soviet Union, criticized American foreign policy to such an extent, one of the Republicans on the trip rose to, to refute him and then stormed out of the room. 1989, Sanders visited Cuba. He's obsessed with this. And that's who he is. So is Bernie Sanders now is his rape fantasies that being put out by everybody again. Where do you think this is all coming from? By the way, Chris Matthews is under serious fire uh, by comparing Bernie's win in Nevada to the Nazis invading France. It's huge. James Clyburn, now we're headed to South Carolina, is calling uh, Bolshevik Bernie a burden for the Democrats. Well, he's all in on, you know, Sleepy, creepy, quid pro quo Joe. So I guess they got a problem there. But by every measure, I didn't think it was a good appearance on 60 Minutes last night. Uh, in any way, even the Washington Post, I think, realized it was pretty bad there. Uh, then you look at all the news. You know, it's the Socialist Democratic Party. They are a radical, extreme Socialist Democratic Party. Who's been telling you that? I have been. There are no moderates. How did we get to an impeachment on Ukraine when there was nothing? To impeach the president on because after four separate investigations, after putting all their hopes, dreams and prayers in the Mueller report and that failing spectacularly, why bother with a new investigation? We'll just impeach him. We'll announce an impeachment before we even have a reason to impeach him, which is pretty much what they did. Then we have all the corruption associated with the hearsay non whistleblower whistleblower. Yes, that's another three years till we'll ever get to the bottom of that. But this is not the beginning of a left turn 
for the Democratic Party. This is their left turn. You know, okay, let's talk about uh, free college. Let's talk about loan forgiveness. Let's talk about Medicare for all. Let's talk about free child care. Let's talk about pre-K. All funded by a wealth tax. That's not wealth tax means that that means legalized stealing. Because on average, the average person sees half their paycheck already go to government. And then if you happen to have saved some money, doesn't matter how much you save, whether you're rich or moderately rich or just financially comfortable. Now they're going to come in post you paying your taxes, post what the law was at the time. And now they're going to legalize taking more of your money. Just like when you drop dead, even the money you paid taxes on your whole life, you pay to die in America. 40% of the federal government. New York, you get 10%. New York City gets 3%. 53 cents of all tax dollars you'd already paid and been taxed before. It's unbelievable. But Bernie's one, two, and three. One thing you can say about him is his supporters are passionate. But watching this whole, watching the maneuverings going on is going to be priceless. It is good. They are out for blood and they don't want Bloomberg in there either. They don't know who to go with at this particular point in time. They have no idea. There is movement on the deep state information. We have newly declassified FBI memos calling into question Mueller's team uh, and their assertions about the Papadopoulos case. Uh, John Solomon has this new information. He'll be sharing with us later in the program today. Lindsey Graham will be grilling former Deputy AG Rod Rosenstein on why he appointed Mueller to investigate Russiagate when Rosenstein had already known for a full five months that the central allegations in the Steele dossier were false. Said that on Maria Bartiromo's show. That's a great question, Lindsey Graham. It also looks like we might be able to find out a lot more about Hillary's bought and paid for dossier with funneled money through a law firm, hiring an op research firm, hiring Christopher Steele, because Lindsey Graham also said to Maria Baratiromo that the Senate's investigation into FBI abuse and FISA abuse will focus on interviews the agency conducted with a Russian source who contradicted much of the information in the dirty dossier. It was all a lie from the beginning. And at what point is somebody going to step in, you know, whoever Judge Amy Berman Jackson is ruling this morning that just because she allowed, you know, a, a, a Roger Stone hater, not even not, somebody we're, we're entitled to a free a fair trial, an impartial jury. Now she sees no reason for her to recuse herself from a ruling on whether or not Stone deserves a new trial. Of course, he deserves a new trial. Case should be thrown out in seconds now that you know you had a tainted jury. Hopefully that'll happen for Roger Stone. I got to believe there's got to be some justice in this country at some point. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the uh, program, where did I put this? There it is somewhere. There. Um, oh, by the way, we put up on Hannity.com. This is an interview with Trump when he was 34 years old with Rona Barrett. You got to watch it. He's exactly the same person he was. He is today. So you think that the notion of a civil war running rife in that country is a misconception? Oh, God, it absolutely It's the same thing, you know, they never learn. You may recall way back in, what was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. You know, not to say that uh, Fidel Castro or Cuba are perfect. They are certainly not. 
But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. So they expected a tremendous uprising in Cuba, it never came. And if they are expecting a tremendous uprising in Nicaragua, they are very, very, very mistaken. I'm wondering whether the, the, the Democratic moderates want Bernie Sanders to be president. I mean, that's maybe a, a too exciting a question to raise. They don't like Trump at all. Do they want Bernie Sanders to take over the Democratic Party in perpetuity? Well, I mean, he takes it over. He sets the direction for the future of the party. Maybe they'd rather wait four years and put in the Democrat that they like. I mean, that's um, the big question, right? And, you know, what the narrative that you're starting to see play out, Chris, is that there are people that are concerned, strategists that are concerned, that Bernie Sanders being the top of the ticket will, will force us to lose the House. I don't necessarily think that's How about the, the future? Case. Bernie, on the other hand, did his job. He got more than a majority, more than a majority of that 67%. That is the name of the game. It is pretty much over unless that changes. I was reading last night, Brian, I know you're a history guy too. I'm reading last night about the fall of France in the summer of 1940. And the general, Renault, calls up Churchill and says, it's over. And Churchill said, how can it be? You got the greatest army in Europe. How can it be over? He said, it's over. So I had that suppressed feeling. I can't be as wild as Carville, but he is damn smart. And I think he's damn right on this one. All right, there it is, uh, Chris Matthews. It's amazing that Van Jones is pointing out how Area 51 Conspiracy TV television, MSDNC, is exactly that. Uh, Bernie is, well, to them, they, I think that a lot of them are viewing Bernie as not electable. 78, socialist, curmudgeon, his policies. I mean, you hear him praising Fidel Castro. Fidel Castro was a murdering dictator. Uh, one needs only look at what the healthcare system and their ed- educational system is like in Cuba uh, to realize it was a colossal failure. One only needs to study the rise of Castro to power and the many that were murdered and killed. Uh, whoever would ever think, oh, let me go honeymoon in the former Soviet Union, not Russia, as bad as they are, not not. Vladimir Putin's Russia, even, but the former Soviet Union, how many millions were slaughtered under uh, Stalin and this false hope of of communism uh, is is it's a spectacular evolution that is now gripped and taken over the Democratic Party, the establishment, everybody in between, because on some level they're Bernie, but they're just not as outspoken as Bernie or just a watered down version of Bernie. But they're still Bernie. They're still not advancing the cause of freedom and liberty and capitalism and energy independence uh, and autonomy and military strength. That I can tell you. All right. Joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Uh, He has a new book coming out soon called Shakedown. This is going to be interesting. I haven't heard about it yet, but I can't wait to hear it. Uh, Sir, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, It's been a while. Well, I'm I'm doing great. And Shakedown actually is about a Iranian-Russian effort to... uh create a, a tsunami off of Baltimore and Washington. It's a lot of fun as an adventure spy book. But, you know, what What hit me today watching the wave of anti-Sanders stuff that's beginning, Bernie has a good news, bad news problem. The good news is he's now the front runner. The bad news is he's now the front runner. And you're going to see stuff coming out about him that nobody's paid any attention to. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm not at all sure... He's going to survive the next 30 days because of the sheer, just the pounding he's going to take. So who emerges then to replace him? Is it going to be Bloomberg? Bloomberg had a disastrous week last week. Well, it's, it could be Bloomberg. It could be Buttigieg. It could be uh, Warren. Um, 
you know, if they get if they get into a brokered convention, it could be Biden. I mean, if Biden can make a comeback in South Carolina, and the party regulars suddenly realize how panic stricken they are, you know, they might try to carry him through the nomination. I, I think, frankly, if Sanders doesn't get it, it's likely to be a brokered convention and just be chaos. But I, I start looking at things like the college his wife ran that went bankrupt, all sorts of financial improprieties, uh, the the tapes that were made of his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. Um, you, you strike on down this list, and as we've learned about Castro, you know, in the last 24 hours, um, Bernie really is amazingly pro-dictator, and, and upon, particularly with our communist dictators. He always finds a way to apologize for them. Well, all right. So let's go one by one. Um, I, I don't see Joe Biden. If he ever had a fastball, he doesn't have a softball anymore. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him, and I'm not trying to diagnose anything here, but he actually stated affirmatively that he his son was the attorney general of the United States this weekend. And no, that was never the never the case. Um, then you have in the course of one week. Now, five hundred million dollars, as you know, is an awful lot of money, but Certainly $500 million, Mr. Speaker, can't buy you a personality or an ounce of charisma. But look at all of the disparate groups that have been have been demonized by Mike Bloomberg. After 17 years, he decides he wants to run for president. For 17 years, he had supported stop and frisk. But even separate and apart from the policy, it's the things that we've uncovered that he said. Murderers, murder victims fit one M.O. You can just take the description, Xerox it, pass it out to all cops, they're all male minorities, 16 to 25. And people say, oh, my gosh, you're, you're arresting kids for marijuana and they're all minorities. Bloomberg's answer, yeah, that's true. Why? Because we put all, not some, all the cops in minority neighborhoods. Why do we do it? Because that's where all the crime is. Then the issues that clearly seem deep and wide related to women, and I don't think he's particularly reaching out to the hardworking blue-collar uh, Americans that are the backbone of all the success in this country. You know, I can teach anybody to be a farmer. You dig a hole, you put a seed in, you put dirt on it, and add water, and up comes your corn and rows. Really? Not, I, 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 how did he miss the agricultural revolution that has taken place? Well, I think he was living in New York, and there's not a lot of agricultural revolution in New York. I must say, by the way, the funniest picture I've seen is one which had uh, put him into the picture as though he were tattoo on uh, desert on, on fantasy island and it is when you look at this thing you just realize that the little mikey uh language of trump may actually stick to him and i think he's got one more chance and that is to go in uh at this next debate and be very aggressive uh, i mean bloomberg is mean enough that his potential to be aggressive is real i think he was probably coached into being you know pleasant and restrained and, and my advice to him was you know, watch Trump's debates in 16. Uh, you know, tr Trump believes in counterpunching. Okay, so tell me, how, how do you, a big part of the Democratic Party base, every party, Republican, Democratic Party, or coalition parties, how do you explain your comments that I just read to you about farmers and minorities? Throw on, oh, I forgot to add, uh, throwing minority kids up against the wall. Cops are doing that. How do you, you explain, explain what's it. the you answer pick, to that? You, you don't explain it. You pick a new fight. You know, and you think so. OK, now let's say he gets the nomination is a is a significant portion of the African-American base and Hispanic Americans and Asian Americans and women in the workplace and youth unemployment, which is now at record lows. 
Are they going to look at Donald Trump and compare that to this guy that has said all these outrageous things and say, I think I like Trump because the polls are showing, you know, Donald Trump has between 16 and 34 and a half percent support among African-Americans. Look, I mean, I, I believe barring something really dramatic happening, Donald Trump is the next president of the United States, period. I think he beats Bloomberg with one coalition. He beats Sanders with a different coalition. He beats Buttigieg with a third coalition. But he beats all of them. And it's, it's, it's from, look at the guy in India with 120,000 people uh, and, and there with Modi representing the United States, being president. Uh, look, look at his stature now in the world compared to the group of, of tiny people who showed up last week in Nevada for a debate. And, and the, every week the stature gap gets bigger. So I, I personally believe that when you get down to the real issues and the choice is, would you like to have one out of every three people hungry like Venezuela, which Sanders will give you, or would you like to have the lowest unemployment rate in modern history, which Trump will give you? My guess is the country, by a surprising margin, ends up voting for Trump. And I think as a part of that process that, that Kevin McCarthy is likely to be speaker and that uh, Mitch McConnell is going to probably pick up two seats. So, I mean, I think, you know, 2021 could be an amazing year of, of accomplishment based on the country having looked up and said, got it. Over here you got all these radical socialists, and they're nuts, and I'm going to vote for somebody who's at least rational. Let's Let me ask you specifically about how you see this going down. I don't know if they can beat back. I, I understand what you're saying. South Carolina is Saturday. Super Tuesday is the following Tuesday. So we are on a fast track now. Super Tuesday right. is the opportunity. Either people are going to live or die on Super Tuesday, and Bernie's either going to pull away or not pull away. Now, everybody on that debate stage last week but for Bernie Sanders was in favor of allowing the Democratic establishment to choose the nominee if, quote, one candidate, even though they have the most delegates, doesn't have the threshold number that they have set for themselves. Your thoughts? Well, I, look, I, th I think everybody should mark the dates for the Milwaukee Convention because the Democrats in July are going to give us uh, one of the great spectacles of all time. You're either going to get Bernie nominated in which case the speeches are going to be crazy, the platform's going to be crazy, and it's going to be worth it's, it's going to be a week of watching socialism now. Or you're going to have Bernie get there with, say, 40 or 45 percent of the delegates and have everybody else gang up on him. And you're going to have, much like 1968 in Chicago, you're going to have the Democratic Party just come apart. Uh, you know, the, the Sanders people deeply believe that Hillary and the Democratic National Committee stole the nomination in 2016 and they're not going to tolerate having it happen twice and bernie's coalition in nevada if he can replicate it in california and in texas where he was doing very well with the latinos uh and he was really cutting into groups that people thought he couldn't reach if that continues he's going to come out of super tuesday clearly the front runner by a big margin and that builds its own momentum it raises money it it, 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 draw, it, it draws people to you because they want to be with the winner. It creates a sense of excitement. Uh, and and uh, I think the Democratic Party could go galloping off to the left uh, in a way that we would have thought impossible. And particularly when you look at the British election, where Corbyn led the, the Labor Party to the worst results since 1938, because he, he's basically crazy. People figured out he was crazy. Uh, and, and they just repudiated the Labor Party. They lost districts they had not lost 
in a, in, in a hundred years. Now that that's not an easy thing to do, and I think that if they do end up with Sanders, and I think that's the most likely future, as people begin to realize just how truly out of touch with reality he is, uh, I think the Democratic Party, and this is what you've heard Carville say. Uh, I mean, it's it's really it's really interesting to watch some of the professional Democrats beginning to come unglued and say publicly, you know, it might. I mean, I think Chris Matthews basically said, you know, it might be better to reelect Trump rather than have Sanders, because then we could take back the party in four years. Yeah, I'm all now, for that strategy. They can they could just give it, hand it over to Trump for four years. We won't have to worry about what happens in the next 253 days. Um, there's got to be, I, I believe, a part of the chaos we're witnessing is we've only watched three years of, of basically one agenda, and that's hating any and all things Donald Trump and obsessed with taking down Donald Trump, culminating in the ridiculous impeachment the shift show and the acquittal in the senate now the question is what does what would you advise the president with 253 days to go he had an incredible crowd i was up at three in the morning watching him speak in india i mean it's a 20-hour flight then he's flying back uh after that then he's going to be doing a rally in south carolina pretty amazing and what is the president's biggest challenge as he heads into this election year well, I mean, I'd look. I, first of all, I think he's doing it, and I think we should not, unless, you know, underestimate that. I, I would say two things. One, the the danger of the coronavirus shattering the Chinese economy and leading to economic trouble here is not small. So we, we can't assume automatically that we're not going to have some tur- some turbulence in, in the economy in the next four or five months because the Chinese may literally be heading towards just a disaster as workers apparently are refusing to go to work. They're afraid to be in crowded places. Um, there are some reports of factories that are down to seven days supply of material. Uh, and, and so we just need to be aware that this is not necessarily going to be a smooth ride. And the president should have a working group looking at all the different aspects of the coronavirus impact which are far deeper and more complicated than just the public health side i've got to run uh former speaker of the house newt gingrich as always thank you for being with us toll free it's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program investigative reporter john solomon breaking news on the deep state this is huge coming up next all right 25 now till the top of the hour we'll hit the phones 800-941-SEAN you want to be a part of the program our pollsters at the top of the hour we'll get a snapshot Heading into South Carolina this coming Saturday, Super Tuesday, the following Tuesday, one week from tomorrow, uh, and only 253 days to go until you, we, the American people, become the ultimate jury. Uh, Now, I see that Linda has brought into the studio today our good friend Liam. Liam, uh, now, what what does your mom call me? Do you know? What do we call him, Liam? They call him Boss. (laughs) <laughs> by the way how, so liam how old are you now four you're four four years old now i heard you love choo-choo trains is that true tell the boss love choo-choo like, trains you like choo-choo trains I don't well, you may not know this but me and sweet baby james and another friend of mine gomez we went shopping once for choo-choo trains for you and your mom is a very slow shopper so we we had to intervene to get you all do you remember you got a whole bunch of choo-choo trains and once maybe about a year or so ago you remember that, Liam? What? When you got all those choo-choos? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. 
How do you how do you like being a, with mommy at work? Do you like going to work now? Yeah. Make sure you say to your mom that you need to get paid money. Say, Mom, I need to get paid. Mom, I need to get paid. A lot of money. Well, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to stop it. Tell the boss what we did this morning. How did we get to work? Um, I know. On a train. Uh-huh. On a train. Do you like the big train? Yeah. A lot of fun? Uh-huh. What's your favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do in the whole wide world? What do you like more than anything else? Trains to ride on. Trains to ride on. Now, what's what's your favorite food in the whole wide, wide world? What do you like the most? Um, I like go play with my toy trains and my other trains to run on Amtrak. No, what's your favorite? Right. Food what's your favorite? What do you? What is your favorite food? What's your favorite food? to eat? Vegetables and. Uh, what? I don't think vegetables I don't and think what so, else? <laughs> I don't think so. What are we having for lunch today? Um, what are we having? A zombie? No, we're having <laughs> zombie. What, is, zombie what are you feeding this kid? We're having what? Look at your plate. What are you having for lunchy? What are you having for lunch today, Liam? Do you like French fries? Do you like chicken fingers? Do you like pizza? What do you like? Pizza. Pizza. What? Um. Now, let me ask you. What sports do you like? Do you like to play sports? Um. Yeah. Which sport? Tell me. Soccer. Riding my bike, running. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have on your What do you have on your bike? You have on what? Training wheels, right? Okay, we're not going to um, admit yeah. that on national radio. All right, Liam. Four. Um. I four. I know. I know. I am four. Oh boy. You're a four. I all love it. Trust me. Apple didn't uh, fall right, far Liam, from the tree. We love you. <laughs> we're glad. We're glad you could come in and see us today. Thanks for stopping by and helping your mom out. Okay, be a good boy. Bye, bye, boss. But- <laughs> bye, bye, Liam. All right, let's get to our busy telephones here. Rebecca, Los Angeles, K E I B. How are you, Rebecca? What's going on? Hey, Sean. You hey, what's going on? Um. Well, I I am in agree with Newt on the Democrat Party is imploding. I was thinking about this about the the Democrats that are running. Bloomberg to her is an elitist. Warren's a habitual liar. Biden's has memory issues. All these. Hello. No, he must have lost the call. Uh, let's say hi to uh, Kristen is in Oklahoma. Kristen, hi. How are you? And welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, Sean. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. So I am registered independent. And I also am part of the LBGTQ. Okay. Um, well, Jake. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Oh, oh, <laughs> Thought I heard a little kid in the background. You did. You anyway. heard a little kid in the background. That's Liam, but that's no worries. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. We got a four-year-old um, here. He's taking over. Go ahead. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I just feel like there's a lot of sleeper voters out there because I feel like the polls are not accurate because people, some people don't want to admit that they are Trump supporters. Um, oh, I think I, I do not think, I mean, I, I it's ironic because I'm going to put pollsters on at the top of the hour, but and we look for trends, and I think the polling is definitely more accurate for the Democratic field than for Donald Trump. Um, I, it is interesting because there's people from all back, all backgrounds, all walks alike that like this president. Uh, Absolutely. From evangelicals 
to the gay and lesbian community, transgender community. I, I, people are not getting involved in people's personal issues. What I hear people want more than anything, they want their country safe and secure. And I hear people saying they want a good job that they can now b- have build a better life for themselves and their families. And they want government the hell out of our lives. I mean, Bloomberg, I went through the list last week of everything that he'd want to control in our lives. And it's like, it takes your breath away. And, you know, look at the president's numbers with African-Americans and, and Hispanic Americans in particular. Uh, if, if he got anywhere near the percentage of vote that is showing up consistently now in, in almost a dozen polls now uh, with the African-American and Hispanic uh, community, it's game over. And the reason that he will get those votes is because he is delivering on promises that have been made by Democrats every two and four years. I I don't know how long you've listened to the show, but I always say every two years, four years. What do Democrats say, Kristen? Republicans are racist. They're sexist. They're misogynist. They're homophobic. They're xenophobic. They're Islamophobic. They want dirty air and water and they want grandma and grandpa to eat dog and cat food before we throw them over a cliff and make them die. The only one that supports death panels is a guy by the name of Bloomberg. Well, and I think that we're just tired of um, candidates just saying whatever they need to say to get the vote and then changing to you know, whatever it's a deep state agenda or whatever agenda after. I mean, we're dealing with a real person. Yeah, everybody has his flaws, but he's not afraid to speak his mind and be a real, we all want to, there's no smoke and mirrors. You're what you see is what you get. And man, I appreciate that. You mentioned the, uh, uh, LGBT community. Do you find a lot more support there than maybe Democrats think? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They Don't might you find as I on. do that most Americans it's it, most Americans are fairly libertarian. I find most, everyone's too busy. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your right. private life. Right. No, nobody does. Nobody asks. Nobody goes, oh, gas when they when they find out. I mean, so I, I don't like, think. By it's the way, in the state thing, of New York, you're almost me. supposed to ask people, how would you like me to refer to you? How about by your first name? How, well, let's start exactly. there. That's pretty easy, exactly. right? Exactly. That's... And I and I think that the other side is 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 making it that, you know, oh, my gosh, what? You're a lesbian? Without a horse face, by the way. <laughs> uh, oh, could you believe she said that in that debate? I was like, whoa. Oh, gosh. Like, oh, man. Oh, my... That's yeah. hardcore. Wow. That yeah. was hardcore. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, Kristen, listen, God bless you. All the best. Uh, call back. We'd love to have you back on the show. Were you surprised by how unprepared he seemed for some very basic, obvious questions at the debate in yes, I Nevada? Was. I was. And, and, you know, and if that's what happened in a Democratic debate, you know, I, I think it's quite likely that Trump will chew him up and spit him out. Are you less worried about Michael Bloomberg if you were worried about him before? Are you less worried now after having that debate? I am worried about an unprecedented amount of money being spent on a campaign. And, uh, you know, we've never seen anything like this in American history. And I just think, though, that the American people will rebel against this type of oligarchic movement. We are a democracy. One person, one vote, not a guy worth $60 billion buying an election. 
All right, let's get back to our busy phones, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, all right, Becky is in Ohio. Ohio, in 253 days, we will be paying very close attention to Ohio and Cuyahoga County and Hamilton County and so on and so forth. Uh, how are you, Becky? Glad you called. Well, I'm very good. Thank you for talk, taking my call, and thank you for what you do. Thank I you for letting me. I'm 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 in Dayton, so I know everyone knows Dayton right now. But I I have a question that's been bugging me since all this stuff started, even before the once Mueller started his investigation. And I am not any kind of great legal mind, but my question is, since we now know that everything was bogus, paid for by Clinton and her campaign and the DNC, and uh, perpetuated on us by um, criminal FBI agents. Why can't all these people who have been charged, why can't their attorneys take this back and have the charges dropped? Because this is all fruit of the poisonous tree. I mean, every single thing is wrong. And that, that's a question I've never been Listen, able to Listen, the only thing I have, and I mean, this is deeply personal for me. Um, yes. I'll give you one. We could use General Flynn as an example. Um, we right. could use... The, the Manafort raid is an example. Okay, if he didn't pay his taxes and he lied on a loan application, you can't do that. But we know Hillary Clinton uh, violated the Espionage Act, and we know that 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 computer had classified and top-secret information on it, that server. And we know that when it was subpoenaed, she deleted and bleach-bit and hammered everything away. And then, yeah, there was Russian interference. Devin Nunes had been warning us since 2014 that it would happen. Biden, Obama did nothing, but the the greatest evidence of it is Clinton's Russian dossier that was bought and paid for that was then used to deny Carter Page his civil liberties and constitutional rights and then spy on the Trump campaign, his transition team and deep into his presidency. And there were other means of outsourcing spying, too. Uh, If we don't get to the bottom of this, look at Roger Stone. We really needed 29 guys in tactical gear and frogmen to go arrest Roger Stone for, quote, lying to Congress? I mean, seriously? You couldn't say, uh, report at 4 a.m. Uh, or 4 p.m. Uh, and you're going to be arraigned. He would have been there. And then right. we had CNN cameras. They just happened to be there at the time, Becky. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> of all the places in the world, they just All the places. Let right me go there. hang out and stalk out Roger Stone's house and hopefully, wink, wink, maybe somebody will tip me off that they're about to raid his house and I can get it on video to show how tough we are. I yeah. mean, this... Well, and, uh- this shouldn't say, happen in America. This should not happen in America. Now no. we find out one of the ju- the jury four person was prejudiced against Stone and Trump, and became the four person on that jury. That case is over. That case must be thrown out. If there's any yeah, justice in this country, to it should be. Well, you know, if someone, even if they commit murder and they're not given their Miranda rights, I mean, this is the whole thing is bogus. That's why I said they should go back to the courts and go everything from day one should be thrown out. Every single person, even if they've committed a, a crime, they'll have to go back and get new evidence on them, you know, to prove it. But one question I would like you to ask. I do have Democrats- more faith. I, I'm watching Barr and Dorham getting beaten up on social media a little bit. And I'm not I, I my sources are pretty strong. And and we 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 did a very deep dive for three years. And we're continuing that deep dive tonight with John Solomon and later in the program. Yeah. But I will tell you, I am I am convinced that these names, many of that we talk about, will be held accountable. I, I am convinced. I just don't know when. 
I don't know when, and I'm I'm hanging on. I think I'm not the only person I can guarantee. But I what I would like someone to ask the Democrats when they keep wanting to quote tax the rich. The rich they want to tax are rich enough to take their money and move out of this country. Then the the rich becomes anyone who's making what thirty thousand dollars a year. $29,000. Bernie's going to hit you with your Medicare for all tax. Yes, ma'am. I got to run. Um, listen, Becky, the good news in all of this, there is good news here, is that we, the people, are the ultimate jury. Take nothing for granted. Act as though it's, if you like football, it's well, you're watching your favorite Buckeyes play. We're down, a t- we're down six. We have no timeouts. We got a two-minute drill to win. We need the touchdown. We need to get it across the – we got to cross the plane, and we got to get the field goal. That's how I need to look at this election. That, that is how I am acting towards this election, taking nothing for granted. Uh, anyway, Becky, thank you. Good call, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, final hour, free-for-all news roundup hour coming up. Now, we do have some breaking, developing news. John Solomon breaking today, uh, and it has to do with declassified FBI memos calling into question Mueller team's assertions in the Papadopoulos case. I knew we were going to get to this point. I knew that this poor kid that they set up, unbelievable. And I remember having to tell him, well, I have to go to jail for two weeks. I think I'm going to appeal that. I said, don't. Don't appeal it. You can suck it up for two weeks. Because otherwise, they're going to want 200 years and your life's going to be ruined. But that doesn't mean it was justice. It was just a common sense decision. All right, we'll get to that. Uh, Also, we'll look at the latest polls as we head into South Carolina on Saturday. Just buckle up. This is going to be nasty, vicious, slice and dice week. I'm telling you, in, in the world of politics, this is it. And then Super Tuesday, one week from tomorrow. So you think that the notion of a civil war running rife in that country is a misconception? Oh, God. It absolutely It's the same thing, you know, they never learn. You may recall way back in, what was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. You know, not to say that uh, Fidel Castro or Cuba are perfect. They are certainly not. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. So they expected a tremendous uprising in Cuba. It never came. And if they are expecting a tremendous uprising in Nicaragua, they are very, very, very mistaken. We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But, you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it. There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right. And we condemn that. Unlike Donald Trump, let's be clear. You wanna, I do not think that Kim Jong-un is a good friend. I don't trade love letters with a murdering dictator. Vladimir Putin, not a great friend of mine. The narrative that you're starting to see play out, Chris, is that there are people that are concerned, strategists that are concerned, that Bernie Sanders being the top of the ticket will, will force us to lose the House. I don't necessarily think that's the the case. Sanders indeed won a smashing across-the-board victory, according to our entrance poll. He won among men and women, college graduates and non-college graduates, liberals and moderate-slash-conservatives, union and non-union members, people who decided early and people who decided late. In short, Sanders crushed it. And in doing so, he may have crushed the hopes of a Democratic establishment desperate to stop him. You want to vote for Bernie Sanders because you feel good about his program, uh, because you, you don't like the, the, the banks on Wall Street, or you don't like pharmaceuticals. That's completely legitimate. I understand that. If you're voting for him 
because you think he'll win the election because he'll galvanize heretofore uh, sleepy parts of the electorate, then politically you're a fool. Bernie, on the other hand, did his job. He got more than a majority, more than a majority of that 67 percent. That is the name of the game. It is pretty much over unless that changes. I was reading last night, Brian, I know you're a history guy, too. I'm reading last night about the fall of France in the summer of 1940. And the general, Renault, calls up Churchill and says, it's over. You can kiss Florida goodbye. And I say that because Floridians, Latinos that have fled socialism, that have fled, they have fled and they are in Florida and they have have these types of sensibilities that are very different from the rest of the Latino community. You pair that down with the most of a lot of more conservative, uh, conservative folks that are Democrats in Florida. And I don't think he has I don't see a pathway for him there. And that's just the beginning. So, Brian, I, I just think there's one big, huge screaming story here tonight is. And that is, there is a front runner in the 2020 Democratic presidential race. All right, that is the montage, the meltdown that is the Democratic Party. I mean, they're losing it. They, the, the, I told you just before South Carolina and just before Super Tuesday, it's going to get worse now. It even gets worse after that. As we head into the Democratic conventions, uh, they're going to try, as we see now, the maneuverings going on behind closed doors, smoke-filled rooms. Uh, to, you know, take this from Bernie, because that's what they're going to do. Bernie, it's unfair to say everything in Cuba is bad. That's been a lifelong held position. Uh, yeah, no, it's pretty bad because I actually knew a guy that was there. And when Castro came to power and the resistance uh, tried to fight back against it, they were mostly murdered. This guy, Armando de Quesada, <clears throat> that I got to know. And uh, what happened to his family, all his friends, all his family friends, they're all dead. Castro killed them. You know, who goes and honeymoons in the former Soviet Union? Not not Russia, as bad as Russia is. Uh, then, of course, you got it's, you know, everybody else in between that um, it, they, they're just losing it. No other way to put it. Anyway, here with us are pollsters, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, Sean Hannity Show. John McLaughlin is with us. Uh, pollster, strategist, syndicating columnist, and Matt Towery, once retired, not anymore, attorney, <laughs> pollster. Um, all right, let's start with you, Matt, today, and let's get into, all right, how do we interpret these results? You're looking at the polls now headed into South Carolina. It looks like it's a very tight race. This was supposed to be Joe Biden's firewall, but I see a Bernie surge there, too. Yeah, it, it, it's beginning to look like it's going to be very hard for the establishment to stop Bernie Sanders. He's, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what the African-American turnout will be in South Carolina because if it's not as high as, as perhaps Biden wants, and he'll lose South Carolina as well. But if you look at the other states that we're seeing polling in right now, uh, California, Texas, uh, you name it, even in New York. Well, a lot of these states are winner-take-all states like California, correct? Uh, actually, California is divided up in congressional districts. But it's okay. still, I mean, Bernie, Bernie's going to do extraordinarily well out there. I think it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult to find a pathway that, that even Mike Bloomberg, with his hundreds of millions of dollars, can somehow rescue the establishment. I think they're either going to have Bernie, or if they try to steal it, Sean, that'll be the end of the turnout in the fall election because the Bernie people will not turn out. Your take, John McLaughlin. You've been saying this for, for months. We've been saying this. We've been talking about this, that their front runner, Joe Biden, was going to collapse. The Democratic establishment has no one to blame except for themselves. 
They started this with the phony impeachment back in September. And guess who the collateral damage was from the impeachment effort? Joe Biden. He's not the front runner. He, once he loses South Carolina, which the polls have him losing, and just think, the Nevada polls, none of them forecast Sanders winning by 26%. So the Democratic establishment is in big trouble because their electorate has gone way to the left of, of what they thought the mainstream was. And the great thing is it's opening up the center for President Trump and for the Republicans to go occupy it and not only get moderate, independent uh, voters, but also African-American voters, uh, Hispanic voters. And so, so the, the political establishment, what's really driving them crazy is the Democrats thought they were going to be able to put up one of their own and beat Donald Trump. And what they've done is they destroyed their front runner. They're now getting Bernie Sanders, and it's their fault. It's na- the per- people that gave us Bernie Sanders, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff. The same, well, the same people it, that gave us, you're right about this. The person that got damaged the, the most over impeachment Ukraine was quid pro quo Joe, zero experience Hunter, because it was all on tape and they had to take on breathtaking hypocrisy. But it's in the end, uh, you know, I know Bernie's the one that says he's a socialist, but pretty much every one of these people are socialist. Um, all right. So I would expect that probably Bloomberg has been locked in a room being fed lines to memorize for tomorrow night's debate. But I don't even see a recovery because I don't think anyone's going to believe it. You know, just look at the stop and frisk issue. Uh, uh, Matt Towery. I mean, it's 17 years later. Oh, I'm going to run for president. Uh, okay, that's not political expediency. That's not an election year conversion. And then to get the underlying thoughts, it wasn't about a, a higher concentration of law enforcement resources in areas that had higher crime rates. No, this was a, a direct attack on minorities, period, because that's where all the crime is. That's where all the cops are. And we only arrest minorities and throw them up well, against the wall. Well, and, and the problem that he has is that he comes across as an insincere candidate. You know, people try to compare him to Donald Trump and this movement in 2016. There is nothing comparable other than the fact the man's a billionaire. He just doesn't have the fire. And he's going to take on attacks again in this next debate. It's not like anybody's going to let up on him. So I just don't – I think Bloomberg had an opportunity. I think it's, he's going to take a miracle now to rescue that uh, can, campaign, and it would take all the other candidates getting out – almost immediately, and they're not doing that. Well, I, you know, the thing is, look at the comment about farming. I can teach anyone how to farm, John McLaughlin. You, you dig a hole, you put a seed in it, you cover it with dirt, you put some water on it, and, you know, up comes your corn popped up in rows. Bingo. Just like the Tim McGraw song says. Um, and then the president talks about our great farmers, and what I said immediately was, what world is this guy living in that he does not know the advanced sophisticated level of knowledge and science and chemistry and agriculture that has evolved in the last hundred years uh, that not only feeds the entire country, but the world as well. It's total arrogance. And, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the, the understatement. Without enough gray whole... matter. I, gotta, I can't forget the gray matter because that, right. that is basically saying they're stupid. And I can teach anyone to be and, stupid. That's what he's saying. And it's an insult because let's look at where he's coming from. He's looking at President Trump and he's saying, oh, I could do this. He's, he's just a deal maker. I've got this $60 billion business. And I was the three-term mayor of New York City. And guess what? The three-term mayor in New York City is losing to the former Democratic Socialist mayor of Burlington, Vermont. And he's not even doing as well as uh, uh, the, the fellow from South Bend, the former mayor of South Bend. So you've got, you've got this, this arrogance that 
Well, now he insults farmers, and he, you know, the whole, and he insults African American voters, and and the whole thing is like for the Democrats, this is a nightmare scenario because Joe Biden's gone, Mike Bloomberg's about to be gone, and you know why? Because President Trump is succeeding. He's created seven million new jobs. He's lowered unemployment rate for for to historic lows for African Americans and for uh, Hispanic voters. Criminal justice reform. He's stealing all their issues. He's going over to India today, and he's being celebrated as this huge international hero, which isn't the the, the left leaning uh, narrative that they want to have. And then he's coming back, and and he's he's got such stamina and such he's he's in such health. He's going to do a rally in South Carolina Friday night, the night before their primary. And guess what? What was scary about Mike Bloomberg in that prior, we, you know, granted, we know he's older. Uh, he's not, you, you, you have a picture of him from, uh, you know, from the last decade when he was mayor, and you're saying, oh, he's still the same guy. He's not the same guy. Just like Joe Biden's lost a step, Mike Bloomberg's lost a step. And I don't know, but Biden Trump. actually referred to his son as a former attorney general uh, over the weekend. Did you see that? Yeah, I mean, I almost don't want to bring it up. I mean, I want to kind of be quiet about it, but you can't. Um, but it was embarrassing. Right. And it was, sort of, it was almost the, like Mueller being called up. Mueller didn't know Jeannie Ray was once the Clinton's attorney. Mueller didn't know uh, that that uh, what Fusion GPS is. And I'm sitting there saying, are you kidding me? Well, I think, Sean, that speaks to the what John was saying about the president. The president's firing on all cylinders right now. And uh, if you look at the um, r- right now at the at the uh, betting odds that, uh, you know, there are these political betting odds that now come out. The president's inching higher and higher up, uh, and these people pay attention to politics. His numbers are, are the highest they've been. I want to make one other note. We've got a major crisis going on with this coronavirus, which the president handled, I thought, very well from the beginning. But you haven't heard any of these candidates say anything about something that could have a devastating effect on our economy. It's like the Democrats are playing to, a, to small little demographic groups, and they don't have a common theme Unites it's the called identity unites politics, Matt. You can it break is, it absolutely. down to one thing. That, that's why Bloomberg decided, oh, I can't win the presidency over stop and frisk. i got to act like I'm really sorry about my policy and my silence for 17 years. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Stay right there. We'll take a break. More of the pollsters, uh, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery. All right, as we continue, pollsters, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery. All right, so next Saturday, it's South Carolina. Then it's Super Tuesday. Uh, John McLaughlin, looking ahead, who has to win where and who's out after Super Tuesday? Well, if Joe Biden doesn't win South Carolina, he's gone. That's his last hope. And he looks like he's already in trouble to, to Bernie Sanders. And after that, if Mike Bloomberg does not place first with delegate counts, in uh, particularly uh, uh, in, in California and Texas, on March 3rd on Super Tuesday, if he doesn't place first and he's second to Bernie Sanders, he's out. Thoughts, Matt Towery? Well, and, and the rest of them are all out pretty soon because they're running out of money. The, uh, the, most of these campaigns are on fumes except for Bloomberg. So Bloomberg, unless you have a great resurgence with Biden in South Carolina, which I don't see happening, he may win, but I don't think it's going to be any resounding win, and I don't think he'll win much after that. His money is going to drop. The money is about to start drying up. The only guy who can stay is Bloomberg, and he doesn't have the mojo this time. Do you don't see a path to recovery for Bloomberg because, look, even if he does a little better in the debate and I guess you can't do any worse, I just got to imagine it's not going to be enough too little too late. Uh, in my opinion, there, there would have to be some sort of cataclysmic major thing take place, maybe a Barack Obama endorsement, something like that 
to consolidate the establishment on one side. And if that doesn't happen, I don't see Bloomberg. You know, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt, Sean. I thought he could do pretty well with all that money and has a lot of experience. But he's just falling flat as a pancake. And you agree with that? Last word, John McLaughlin. Sean, he left the Republican Party years ago, and that was the party that respected. He left to get out of a crowded primary. Let's be honest here. Right. And he was never really a Republican. But the reality is, look at him. He's 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 in a position now where most of those voters don't want to vote for him in the Democrat Party. They want to confiscate his wealth. His negatives are as high as his positives in that party. He's he's in big trouble because he can't recover between he's not in our primary until March 3rd. And if he doesn't beat Bernie Sanders, who's building momentum on March 3rd, he's done. All right. Thank you, both our pollsters, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery. Uh, when we come back. Wide open telephones, final half hour of the program. I know a lot of you have been hanging on there. Be patient. We'll get to your calls coming up next. Glad you're with us. We have an awesome, and I mean awesome, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel, uh, as the Democratic Party is in chaos, imploding before our very eyes. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. What were you thinking when all of these people were reaching out to you, asking you to go meet them at conferences? Yeah, that's a really great point that you made. So essentially, uh, within 48 hours of joining the Trump campaign, um, something that not even the Washington Post had reported at the time. I'm being invited to go to Rome um, at the behest of a uh, woman named Arvinder Sambe, who I used to work for in London, who I later found out actually had a working relationship with uh, Bob Mueller after 9-11. So that's very suspicious. And I'm invited to go to Rome at this uh, university where I'm uh, uh, introduced to Joseph Mifsud by none other than uh, the former Italian foreign minister. So this happened very quickly, uh, within 48 hours of joining the campaign, before not even the American public knew I joined. So uh, when I was being invited all of a sudden and wooed to all these uh, cities and conferences, something uh, wasn't adding up, uh, quite frankly. You suggested that the conversation that they had, um, that George Papadopoulos had in, in the bar about the potential for Hillary's emails coming out was something that was simultaneously being discussed in so many different venues at that time, publicly and privately, uh, that it was really a very thin thread to go on, right? Right, right. I, I, at the time the comment was made by Papadopoulos, that the Russians might have something that they would drop in the public that was adverse to Hillary. That was rampant during a period of rampant speculation, both in the media and in political circles. And it relates to the fact that a lot of people thought that the Russians had probably hacked into Hillary's you know, homebrew server, as they call it, and, and, may, and may have had all her emails and therefore be in a position to drop them. So that statement by itself had very little probative value, and I think to leap to the conclusion that it showed knowledge of a later hack into DNC uh, was a pretty aggressive conclusion. I just think that uh, by the time the president entered office around that time, it was becoming clear that there was no basis to these allegations, not just the dossier falling apart, but the information that they were relying on as to Page and to Papadopoulos. And so the whole thing, you know, was, was uh, you know, uh, collapsed. So when you listen very closely, the, the attorney general is saying a lot there, an earful there, basically saying, yeah, this whole Papadopoulos timing was way, way off, that we didn't get to the truth. Uh, John Solomon's new website, justthenews.com, has an investigative piece out today where newly declassified FBI memos directly conflict 
with the court filings that special counsel Robert Mueller's team made in asking a federal judge to send former Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos to prison, further calling into question the government's conduct in investigating the now debunked Russia collusion narrative. Yeah. You know where the collusion happened with Russia? Yeah, what the New York Times finally concluded two and a half years or so after we've been investigating that the dirty Clinton bought and paid for a Russian dossier with funneled money, yeah, was likely Russian disinformation from the get-go. Yeah, the same one that was used to deny an American his constitutional rights and civil liberties. And, oh, yeah, the same dirty dossier, Russian dossier, that was used to as the basis to get warrants to spy on a, a, a opposition party candidate after the same people, the same ones exactly saved her campaign when others, we, the people, would have been charged with obstruction or the Espionage Act. All of that happened. Anyway, so these memos released under the Freedom of Information Act uh, now focusing renewed attention on Mueller's prosecutor, a guy by the name of Aaron Zelinsky, played a key role in prosecuting Papadopoulos before working on the case of longtime GOP operative and Trump confidant Roger Stone, who, by the way, himself got screwed. And now we find out the jury four person in that case hated Roger Stone and said so publicly, had no business being on that jury. It's like there was, there was no need for for lying. Uh, let's see. Andy McCabe, James Comey, Hillary Clinton, lack of candor. Yeah. But they only prosecute, I guess, conservatives. Anyway, his that case should be thrown out. Papadopoulos. I remember when I first heard his name, I said, who is he? I was all around the Trump campaign and every other campaign because that's my job. I never heard of him. I remember he made a deal and he had to spend two weeks in jail away from his wife. And I'm like, just take it. And he goes, no, I think I'm going to fight it. I said, if you fight it, you're going to spend three years in jail. I said, you'll have an opportunity to salvage your good name at the end of it. That was my friendly advice to him unsolicited. Anyway, so now we're finding out Zelensky recently making headlines uh, by resigning from the Stone case in this dispute with the attorney general. But the attorney general is leaving these crumbs. Yes, he says the president was spied on. That, those are very important words that he says. Yes, the, he's gone on in detail. They now have expanded out this investigation in terms of the origins of the of Operation Crossfire Hurricane. And the timing is way different than we originally thought, although we did predict a long time ago that it would go back. The timeline would go back much further than the date that w that they had claimed that started, which was after the Hillary Clinton exoneration by James Comey after he admitted she had classified top secret information on her secret server. Anyway, John Solomon from justthenews.com is with us. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. All right. I want you to break this down specifically because this gets a little, you got to really follow the bouncing ball here. But when you get to the end, it's uh, like, wow. Well, you, you said, Sean, early on that, uh, in, in, in what you just said, that the uh, president was spied on. He also was cheated on. The FBI and the Justice Department repeatedly made false statements to courts and to Congress that furthered the Russian narrative, even though their evidence contradicted it. And the Papadopoulos case is our newest and perhaps most cogent example. Here's what happened. When they took George Papadopoulos to court to sentence him, they told the court that when he was doing his interviews with the FBI, he thwarted efforts to question a guy named Professor Mifsud, this mysterious European professor, somebody that Papadopoulos had interacted with. And so the entire sentencing memo portrays Papadopoulos as trying to thwart the investigation, not telling him about a conversation about Hillary Clinton emails, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it turns out when you get the actual FBI interview reports, 
It was just the opposite. George Papadopoulos was offering to help the FBI. He offered to set up a meeting with them in London. He told them before they interviewed Mifsud that, the, yes, we had a conversation about some Russia email stuff. All the things that the pro- prosecutors represented in the court are completely undercut by what George Papadopoulos actually told the FBI. It's a lie. So now where does this end? And do we know if the attorney general has this information? And does John Durham have this information? Well, he should, right? He should. They both should have access to these uh, documents. But of course, as you know, there are hundreds of thousands of pages in the counterintelligence investigation. Here are some more breaking news. Uh, We're going to get this out in just the news in a little bit. But uh, I am being told that House Republicans are planning to make a criminal referral for the first time referring actual prosecutors from Mueller's office to be investigated and possibly indicted. Rep. Devin Nunez is working on this, the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. This is a major effort to get the right evidence to the right people. And it's the ultimate turnabout where Mueller's people, the investigators, are now going to be investigated. So keep an eye on that. We expect that to break later today. Uh, Both huge stories. Uh, look at the, the the abuse of power, corruption. That w- I just outlined everything that happened with right. these deep state operatives and actors. The question I get asked at almost everywhere I go is, when are they going to be held accountable? I mean, Papadopoulos lying, uh, Roger Stone lying. Uh, Michael Cohn, Manafort, lying. FBI agents descended on Paul Manafort's Alexandria, Virginia apartment in an unannounced pre-dawn raid. The president's former campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, just sentenced to 47 months. That is one month shy of four years for running a global scheme. Judge has sentenced former Trump campaign advisor George Papadopoulos to 14 days in prison. Papadopoulos was convicted of lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russians. Prosecutors wanted to sentence him six months. Tonight, the ongoing Russia investigation has reached President Trump's innermost circle. Flynn pled guilty to repeatedly lying to the FBI. Paul Manafort, guilty, convicted on eight counts. Exclusive footage you're looking at right now from CNN as the FBI arrives at Roger Stone's residence in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, taking him into custody. Tonight, Roger Stone is a convicted felon. A jury found him guilty on all seven counts, including witness tampering and making false statements to Congress. Okay, well, what about the inspector general reports that pointed out numerous instances of lying by deep state actors? Yeah, listen, uh, uh, everyone I talked to today, members of Congress, others, I, I did an interview with Devin Nunes last week, and he said Republicans are losing faith in the institution of the Justice Department because nobody has been prosecuted for the misconduct that is sitting out and open. That is a, such a powerful statement that's, that uh, the party of law and order doesn't trust the, the entity that's supposed to impose law and order. Why is that? There have been four or five well-documented instances of false statements. Um, one instance of a document being falsified in the Russia case, right? An FBI lawyer literally changed the document to change its meaning to hide the truth. Not a single one of those FBI employees have been charged with the crime. And so when you go out in real America and you talk to people, and you know this, Sean, from being out there, people say there's two, there's two departments of justice, one for the George Papadopoulos and Mike Flynn's of the world, and the other one called the Department of Just Us, where FBI employees get protected from the same crime and criminal charges that a normal person would face. It's a very troubling situation for many people I talk to. Now, there's going to be this, well, there's going to be this hearing with uh, uh, Bill Barr that is right. going to take place. Uh, 
that's it's gonna that's gonna happen next month in the hearing they're going to ad- address according to doug collins ranking member of the judiciary as to number one the status of the durham investigation and number two are there adequate resources um for all the people that ask me I do believe that the evidence is so overwhelming and so incontrovertible. And what my sources tell me is they've gone so deep and wide that that's why it takes a long time. And unlike the inspector general, they actually have the power and authority to convene a grand jury and to charge people. That's important. Yeah. Where does this end? How does this end? Uh, Listen, I I understand from my reporting uh, that Durham's team and the Justice Department have confirmed that the origins of the Russia collusion case did not begin on July 31st, 2016, like the FBI claims when they opened the Operation Crossfire Hurricane file, but many, many months before, perhaps as early as November or December of 2015. If that's true, that opens up an entire array of false statements and false testimony cases. It also raises the question, if there wasn't an FBI file that was required to control an investigation, how were they doing that investigation? Was the FBI and the CIA outsourcing uh, uh, investigative work to foreign allies or maybe even private uh, citizens to get the sort of dirt they needed before they could open up uh, the bogus case that they did? This is troubling stuff. It's why it's taking so much time for John Durham to put this very complicated piece together. But I am hearing a significant amount of progress has made, been made both on the origins of the case and uh, other misconduct that is not yet public in the case right now. Do you believe that prominent names that we have discussed now for three years will finally face justice and they'll be indicted? That's a great question. I, I, um, I'm still skeptical of the idea of indictments. I have been all along, and, and I, I think I predicted on your show back in November that I thought McCabe would get a pass, and he did on lying to uh, the FBI. I think the threshold is high, and I think the reason for it being high is that I think prosecutors in Bill Barr's office know that getting an indictment against a Trump critic in either New York or Washington, which are the two places most likely you would file the charges because that's where the crimes occurred, is much harder given the partisan nature of our cities. And so it's going to have to be a big case, but I do believe we're going to see a lot more shaming and a lot more misconduct exposed. I think we only know about 20% of the misconduct right now, Sean. Well, Lindsey Graham is now he's bringing in all of these people into his committee. He said he wants to grill right. Rod Rosenstein as to why he appointed right. Mueller when he already knew the Russiagate was a hoax. That's an important question for Rod Rosenstein to be able to answer. Lindsey Graham also says his FISA probe will focus on Christopher Steele's Russian source. And then it gets right to the heart of, okay, who paid who, what, when, and where. Uh, And all this talk about Russian interference that did occur uh, now hopefully comes to light. If it doesn't, I think we're in big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, the president has said this many times, if you want to avoid a repeat of this, if you want a future president not to go through what he did, go through a false investigation, a false set of accusations, and have the entire intelligence community uh, uh, be involved in it, you need to have some accountability that goes beyond just firing and terminations. To date, we haven't seen that accountability, but I think a criminal case would certainly send a resounding message. The place me, to look. So much wrong than it was going on inside we, that There, there, there needs to be like a team of never-ending investigators to get to the bottom of all of the corruption and abuse of power. John Solomon, thank you. Uh, and uh, we'll have you back often. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to your calls next. Uh, all right. We are loaded up tonight. So it has become an open warfare. 
in the Democratic Party. If we, I mean, it is actually the most entertaining thing to watch. And the media mob is beside themselves because all they're thinking is, oh, no, Donald Trump is going to win again in 253 days. What do we do? Uh, we have some deep state news we're breaking with Lindsey Graham and Trey Gowdy tonight. Uh, Eric Trump, Tammy Bruce, Reince Priebus tonight. That's all coming up. We'll see you tonight at 9. As always, thanks for being with us and back here tomorrow.